0: Well, if it helps, dear, Berthmark Potter was a vindictive bastard. But Terence Chambers had a special soft spot for him because of something that happened in the war. Terence
1: Chambers? But he's a notoriously sadistic arch-villain from the East End, Mrs. James. Ah, know, dear. Don't go on about it. Why would anyone want to cut Berthmark Potter's head off and send it to you in a box? To send me a message, of course. A message? Couldn't they just have written it down?
0: <laughs>
2: The Return of Inspector Steen by Lynn Truss. Episode 2. Nearer to the End.
1: Brighton Police Station. June 17th, 1957. Well, Father, posterity will pass the final judgment on the evil nature of Mrs Adelaide Vine... But all I can say is that in her efforts to depose our station char lady, Mrs. Groynes, as criminal mastermind of Brighton, she would stop at nothing. For example, she had sent Mrs. Groynes a head in a box, and because of that I had struck the inspector with an ornamental silver truncheon. Meanwhile, her beauty and seductiveness meant she could continue to wrap all men round her little finger, no matter how incredibly young and intelligent they were. When they were absolutely stupid, therefore.
3: Inspector Steen, may I join you?
1: Adelaide Fine! <coughs> they didn't stand a flipping chance.
3: I knew I'd find you and Luigi's you and your ice creams.
2: Mrs. Fine, I must say I'm astonished you would show your face. Who are all
3: your little friends? Well,
2: not that it's any of your business, but if you must know, they've all abandoned me.
3: No,
2: Twitten even hit me.
3: Oh, Geoffrey, you always didn't know how to make me laugh.
2: Well, I I suppose it was quite funny. But it's been a very frustrating day. Brunswick's getting an award for bravery, but he won't accept it. And we're supposed to be having the ceremony this afternoon, five o'clock at the bandstand. Then Twitten wouldn't let me see the contents of some box that had been delivered from the Metropole. Even Mrs. G was acting strangely.
3: Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, I wonder why. Oh, she's a character, isn't she, Mrs. Groynes?
2: I suppose so. Yes. Very good cups of tea.
3: You'll miss her, I expect, when she's gone.
2: Yeah, probably. Why are we talking about the station char lady?
3: Oh, no reason. I, I love to hear you talk about anything. Mm -hmm. That's my guilty secret. That voice of yours.
4: What? This one.
3: And to think when I last heard it, you were shouting, help, help, from far out to sea.
2: That's right. You are evil, Mrs. Vine.
3: Call me Adelaide.
2: You are evil, Adelaide.
3: That's better. Oh, I've just had a thought. Mm? That ceremony you mentioned, Sergeant Brunswick, might I present him with his silver truncheon? You know how I adore Sergeant Brunswick.
2: But you shot him, didn't you? Oh,
3: how could I resist? Now, I think we should all meet at the bandstand at five o'clock. Everyone, all of us, your funny old Mrs. Groins included. No,
2: no, hold on, hold on. I've
3: got a special friend coming down from London, someone I'd really love your Mrs. Groins to meet. Oh, do say yes, Inspector. When I think of how evil I was, setting you all adrift in that open boat, you've Mm. got to let me make it up to you, Inspector. Well... Oh, thank you. Till five o'clock, then. Oh, Bring that wonderful voice of yours. You might want to shout, Help, help with it again.
1: Looking back on it all now, Father, not much of what happened concerning this ghastly head-in-a-box episode was accidental. But Mrs G and I did have one real stroke of luck. We bumped into Sergeant Brunswick and Captain Hoadland on the seafront. We meet again, Mrs
4: Grimes. Constable Twitten.
1: Oh, you remember my name.
4: Ah, I see you still have that blasted box, Mrs. Grimes. Would you like me to carry it?
0: Oh, that's all right, dear. We didn't know,
5: by the way, before, that you was famous. It was Twitten who guessed. <laughs> that's mad hoagie Hoagland of the Royal Engineers, he said. A real war hero. Oh,
4: no, no, we all did our bit. And now look. Twelve years ago, this was all barbed wire and landmines. How can I not think it was all worthwhile? Damn his neck.
1: I used to read about you, sir. When I was nine... You make me feel very old.
0: Oh, no. Oh, you're so lovely. Isn't he lovely? You're lovely, you are. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, what a shame.
4: Here we are, back at the Metropole Hotel. I'm on Bin's duty this afternoon.
5: It was very kind of you, Captain Hoagland, to have that talk with me. But I still don't feel I should go through with a ceremony. I don't deserve it Oh, you're such a silly
0: sausage, dear
1: You're very brave,
0: sir He is, you know, Captain You wouldn't credit that one single human body Could contain so many festering, mouldering bullet holes And still be walking about I I I
5: can't talk about this, I'm sorry Do you know, Sergeant
4: I've been remembering something as we've been talking here I wonder if it could be helpful It was in Old Street, 1943, 14 years ago but it's a long story. Oh, no, go on, sir. Uh, yes, sir, please. Well, uh, briefly, uh, the Germans had just started using mercury switches and what we called the Y-fuse. Yes. <laughs> Suffice to say that disarming them was one hell of a job, requiring the steady application, sometimes over a matter of two or three hours, of liquid oxygen. Oh. <laughs> now, this liquid oxygen would gradually freeze the batteries, making it safe for us to fit the quilter key into the locking ring. Christ. I, I'm sorry, this must be very boring Oh, no, no, oh, no, no go no, on, dear no.
5: Liquid
4: oxygen? Oh, very well Now, the thing is, liquid oxygen is pretty hazardous in itself, of course Oh, of course.
5: oh yes And <laughs> me?
4: Officers could get oxygen giddy oh. And, of course, there was the ever-present danger of combustion uh, one of my digging party, a chap we called Gazunda... Oh, you
5: mentioned him before, sir. Mm-hmm.
4: You know, they were all jolly sound chaps, let me tell you. Gazunda had witnessed such a terrible fire in a bomb shaft in Tooting that for a while he simply lost his nerve. Uh, of course, I was commanded to let him go.
0: Oh, no.
4: But I decided to keep faith with old Gazunda, and the next time I had an oxygen job, I took him down the shaft with me. Gosh. Now, technically... I could have done the job alone, but I told him I needed him to work an air pump and take my mind off cigarettes. It was agony going for a couple of hours without one, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Gazunda and I talked right through the operation, two and a half hours, and, bless the man, he came through it. His relief when I finally removed the locking ring and got that fuse out. Well, in his euphoria, I'll never forget it, he said, Hoagie, you absolute bastard.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but now, here's the thing. A week later, in Old Street, Gazunder risked his own life to save our youngest digger from a house fire. You see, heroism is action, not personality. You act heroically all the time, Sergeant Brunsby. How many people, how many people owe their lives to a valiant policeman who has put himself in the firing line as many times as you?
5: (laughs) Bravo, sir.
0: Oh, you are so lovely. I've never
5: met anyone like you, Captain. I I really haven't. I'll accept the truncheon. I'll go and tell the inspector.
4: Good man. And now I really must go.
0: Did you ever
4: hear from this gazunder fella after the war, dear? Yes, once or twice. I think he's done rather well in the city.
1: damn his arm. What a man Captain Hoagland was. And what a strange effect he was having on Mrs. Groins. We were so pleased for the sergeant that for a minute we forgot we were both due to die within the next few hours. It was only when Captain Hoagland and the sergeant had left us that we remembered our position. I've given this quite a lot of thought.
0: I thought you might have done, dear, being all brain like you are.
1: And after everything Captain Hoagland just said about heroism being action, not personality. Yes. I think we should run for it. What? I have an aunt in Jersey we can go to, and she won't ask questions. Oh, constable. It's the only way out, Mrs. G. Once we're there, I can start a new life as a watercolor artist, and you could run a pub. We could live together in a quaint old cottage called Dunn Masterminding. No, dear. All right, not a pub. A milk bar? I'm not running away at all, dear. Not from her. But what else is there? We can't go back to the station.
0: I'd bally well coshed the inspector. Oh, look, you're a clever boy, aren't you?
1: I used to think so, Mrs. G.
0: Well, the inspector is the least of our problems. You must have heard of
1: reverse psychology. Reverse psychology? Hmm. Oh, is that where you're in a train compartment and someone comes to the door and you get them to go away simply by smiling at them and waving at them to come in? That's it, dear. Gosh.
4: Do you think it really
1: works? Come in. Ah, it's you. I I just wanted to say, sir, I'm terribly sorry about earlier. And I've... I've brought the box with me, sir. Really? Uh, There, sir. Do you have to... I put it on your desk because I'd very much like you to see what's inside. No, thank you, Twitton. Take it away. Oh, please do look. No, thank you, Twitton. I'm
2: not remotely interested.
1: Gosh, it works. Pardon? Nothing. In that case, sir, about hitting you with a silver truncheon, sir. Yes? Well, I think you should ruddy well throw the book at me, sir. Oh, do you? Yes, sir. I think you should shout at me and have me arrested for striking an officer and then have me thrown out of the force, sir. That would be a proportionate punishment in your opinion, would it? Well, I think it would be a little
2: bit lenient, really, sir. And what if I don't agree? Oh, what now?
5: come in,
2: dear? Oh, why not? Everyone else does.
5: It's about the ceremony later today, sir. The sergeant was wondering... Oh, I was wondering whether Captain Hoagland could make the presentation, sir. (laughs) That man who's masquerading as a porter at the Metropole. Oh, he's fallen on hard times, Mm, sir. But he's a real hero. And he's lovely. There's something so lovely.
2: I'm sure there is, yes. Well, let's see. He's lovely.
0: Mm
3: -hmm.
2: He used to be brave. And he's been obliged by circumstances to take a menial job in the hotel industry. Well, I don't quite see why any of these things qualifies him to take a role in the proceedings this afternoon. Uh, I'm sorry, Brunswick, the answer is no. Oh, oh, oh well, well.
0: He did say he was a fan of your broadcasts, dear.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> nice try, Mrs. G, but I think you'll find I'm not as shallow as all that. <laughs> <clears throat> Besides, um, uh, I... I have already asked Adelaide Vine to do the honours.
1: What? what? Oh, my good God. How could you invite her, sir? Oh, Think what she's done to Sergeant Brunswick in the past. She shot me, if you
5: recall, sir. Uh, yes,
2: yes. Having
5: first made me fall in love with her. I know that. On another occasion, she left
2: me to drown. But what better way to make amends than to present you with your award,
5: Brunswick. What? I I can't believe I'm hearing this. It was only a few days ago she set us all adrift in an open boat. I know that. She sabotaged the brakes on Mrs. Groins' car. Well, yes. She posed as a helpless widow and used kittens to break your flaming arse, sir. And she even got to twitten, didn't she? Oh, she very well did. By pretending to invent
1: what what was it, son? What what did she use to seduce you with at the cricket? She devised a groundbreaking and ingenious method for calculating a fair target score for a team batting second in a one-day cricket match interrupted by weather or other circumstance, You see?
5: What more proof do you want? She's evil. Yes. But she's sorry.
2: Look, I don't want to hear any more about this. Mrs. Vine will make the presentation. Oh, and she told me she'll bring along a London friend who particularly wants to be Mrs. Groins for some unimaginable reason. Now, uh, perhaps you'll all go away and leave me in
1: peace. Oh. Oh, Um, sir? Yes, Twitten. I'd just like to say you're absolutely right about not inviting Captain Hoagland. Oh. Oh, thank you, Twitten. If it makes people think you're petty-minded and jealous, sir, that's entirely their affair, isn't it, sir? Do you think he'd come if you asked him, Brunswick? Yes, sir. Then tell
2: him he can be guest of honour. Now, please, please get out. <laughs> right.
1: What we didn't know was that by the time Captain Hoagland returned to work at the Metropole, rumours about him were rife among the Brighton villain fraternity. It was all Sergeant Brunswick's doing, unfortunately, when he went looking for Captain Hoagland at the Metropole.
5: The Mansion House, Southwark Bridge, and what about Threadneedle Street?
1: Was he a master criminal? That's what they were all thinking. After all, not many people have done Threadneedle Street and got away with it. Suddenly, it was half past four,
2: and we had to set off. You can
1: carry this thing. And I couldn't find Mrs. G anywhere. No wonder I was lost in thought as we walked along to the bandstand. So what did this Hoagland chap do in the war again? Twitton? Uh, Sorry, sir, I was miles away.
5: I was just saying, we all did our bit, you know. You ran a lost property office, if I recall, sir. In
2: the city of London, Brunswick, St Mary Axe, in the blackout... It was a terrible time for barking one's shins. Really, sir?
1: Oh, for heaven's sake, Twitten, what's wrong with you? I think that's Terence Chambers in the big car outside the Metropole. Terence Chambers? Who? Where? There. Oh, yes. Who are we talking about?
5: It is him, Twitten. Limey, what's he doing here? He's a notorious London thug, sir. Ooh. Intimidation is his main thing. That's right, Twitten? Yes screwing people's noses to doors and so on.
1: Nailing, sir. Nailing, you're right. Sir, if I die today... Oh,
5: why
2: on earth are you likely to die today? I can't explain, sir. Then shut up, for pity's sake. But if I should die today... Oh, you're not going to make that speech about how it's all been spiffing again, are you?
1: So here we were. Captain Hoagland looked so happy to have been invited. He had on his best uniform. The bandstand was full of afternoon music lovers, who were to have this extra treat of Sergeant Brunswick's presentation when those excellent chaps from Nella Hall concluded their concert. I saw Chambers and his men crowd in at the back. And then I caught sight of Mrs. Groins, deep in conversation with her nemesis, Mrs. Vine.
3: I tried to electric... Yes, you did. I tried to burn you in a cricket pavilion. I tried dropping a heavy weight on you. How can you complain if I finally ask someone with more experience at homicidal violence to lend a hand? Oh, here's the clever constable.
1: Hello, Mrs. Vine. I'd just like to say that whatever evil schemes you come up with, you'll never ever beat the brilliant Mrs. Groins.
3: Oh, aren't you sweet?
0: Doesn't he know then? Know what? I already told her she's won, dear. No. Yes. What's the use? When Chambers discovers me with birthmark Potter's head, I've had it, and that's the top and bottom of it. Oh, Monty. Thank you. Not Monty. Fitz, dear. You know perfectly well that when we were at school, you were Monty and I was Fitz.
1: She only gets it the wrong way round to annoy you, Mrs. G.
0: That's not true, Monty. I wasn't Monty. You were bleeding Monty. Well, it doesn't matter much anymore, does it? No. But I'll just say this. Careful not to cross chambers yourself, dear. He never forgets. And he loved birthmark like a son.
1: You told me it was like a baby brother, Mrs. G.
0: Let's go, dear. You do know why he was so fond of birthmark?
3: No? No,
0: I thought you didn't. That's a shame. Uh, d- uh, d-
2: ladies and gentlemen, uh, may I have your attention? I'm sure we'd all like to thank the musicians for a charming concert this afternoon. <laughs> I'm Inspector Steen of the Brighton Constabulary, and I'd like to introduce Sergeant James Brunswick. Thank you. Thank you very much. He's the only man I know who can play the accordion and tap dance at the same time. Oh. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but seriously, Sergeant Brunswick is a very brave policeman, and this afternoon he is receiving an award. Uh, now, where's the box? Uh, ah, yes. Oh, oh! In this box is an award for outstanding valour. I am now handing it to this beautiful lady who will do the honours. Mrs. Vi. you, Inspector. Oh,
3: that's heavy expected.
5: Uh, would you like to say a few words, Sergeant? Oh, well, sir, thank you. <laughs> this is in indeed a great honour, uh, and I would like to thank a few people who've made it possible. Um... Uh, well, yeah. um, oh, oh, well, there's my old mother For example, Mrs Brunswick Should it be ticking? What? When I was a nipper and I used to say I want to be a policeman when I grow up My father, uh, that, that's Mr Brunswick He used to say It's ticking, why is it ticking? Who do you think you are, you little tyke? Is there a problem, sir? Uh, but she says it's ticking uh, uh, Excuse me, ladies and
2: gentlemen shush, shush. Well, That's very odd It is ticking
0: is it a bomb, dear?
2: <laughs> well, hardly. I, I mean, that's not likely, is it? Shall I open it? Good idea, yes. Oh, no. Oh, my God. What if
5: it. Oh, it's a bomb. It's a bomb. Run, everyone, run. Shouldn't you be telling the public there's no cause for alarm, sir? It's a bomb, Brunswick. Run. Run for your lives. What did I do?
4: Do nothing, madam.
5: Captain Hoagland!
4: That's always the best thing to do in these circumstances. You're doing it wonderfully. I
3: don't understand. Who are you?
4: That doesn't matter. Just hold it very still. Whatever you do, don't drop it.
1: What a man. He took charge of everything. And he had such a natural air of command. Even the inspector took orders. I need cutting tools, a bucket of water and a bucket of sand. Tools, water, sand. Right. He was so busy studying the box that he didn't even look up at first when something pretty remarkable happened. I'd like to help, sir, if I may. It was Terence Chambers.
5: Terence?
4: Sorry, who's this? Why are you helping?
5: Corporal Chambers, as was, sir. You always called me Gazanda. Gazanda? Chamber pot, you know. Gazanda the bed. As I
4: remember. Well, I have a lot to ask you, Chambers, but we've got a job to do here first. Yes, sir.
3: I'm scared. Do you think it will explode?
4: Well, we won't know until we open the lid, I'm afraid. And I can't do that until the inspector comes back. So, Corporal. Yes, sir? What a pleasure to see you. How have you been keeping?
3: (sighs) I don't believe this.
5: Oh, I've done all right, sir.
4: Keeping up your carpentry?
5: Um, a bit of nailing,
4: sometimes. Good man. Do you hear from that boy at all? What did we call him? strawberry strawberry all the time sir we went into the same line of business in the end excellent and remind me why we call him that
5: the birthmark sir oh yeah he's always spoke very highly of you sir has Has he this is hateful (laughs) it makes you very protective of someone saving their life sir ever since that day in 1943 i've looked out for that boy and i don't mind telling you Anyone touched a hair of his head, I'd kill him. <laughs>
4: Metaphorically speaking. Yeah. And how on earth did you find me here?
5: Some of my boys, uh, I mean, some of my friends, stayed at the Metropole saying how this porter bloke was involved in jobs at the Mansion House and Southwark Bridge and Kennington Oval. And I thought, I oh, know who that is. That's Mad Hoagie Hoagland.
3: Oh, please stop talking and do something. It's Still ticking.
1: I'm glad to hear it.
5: It's when it stops ticking, you got to worry, love. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, poor Mrs. Vine. And things were about to get even worse.
5: You're in very good hands, darling. What's supposed to be in this box, then?
3: A silver truncheon.
5: Whereas,
4: it's actually the box you gave me yourself, Mrs. Vine, at the Metropole this morning.
3: What? No.
4: I'm the porter at the Metropole. Didn't you recognize me? You gave me this box to deliver to Mrs. Groynes at the police station.
3: What nonsense. I didn't, Terence. He's lying. No, it's
4: definitely the same one. You see that little yellow chalk mark on the side? Yes. I made that myself. It's a system I have. You can take a man out of the military, but you can't take the military out of a man. <sighs> ah, Inspector Steen. Yeah, i got these big pliers. Excellent. And these buckets. Splendid. Now, would you like to stand back? Oh, yes, please. Now, Sergeant Brunerick. I need you to stand there.
5: Yes, sir. Back a bit, Mm Twitton. Are you ready? Yes, sir.
4: Now, Corporal. Ready? Yes, sir. Now, Mrs. Vine, I want you to listen carefully. We're going to open the box now, so... Don't!
3: Don't open
4: it. I'm afraid we have to.
3: Don't open the box, Terence. Why? I didn't do it. It wasn't me.
5: What are you talking about, darling?
3: It was Mrs. Groins, not me. That's why I asked you to come down here, to see what she did. But, but she didn't bally do it. You did. I can explain, Terence. It's not how it looks.
4: We really ought to crack on, Gawr. Nah, this is interesting.
3: It's not how it looks, Terence. I knew you loved him. And I adore kittens. I really do. Oh, this is awful. Don't open the box, Terence. Please... Please don't open it. Don't open it. Please. Oh, God.
1: And that was it for Mrs. Vine, of course. Corporal? Mm. Chambers looked at the severed head of his old army buddy for what seemed like a very long time. What is it?
3: Oh. Oh, no.
5: She gave you this? This morning, you say?
3: Yes. I didn't.
5: You wouldn't lie to me, sir. Of course not. Why should I? No. No, why would you? Do you know there's not a single person in the world I will believe about this except you? What the devil is it? Somebody tell us, for heaven's sake! Oh, didn't I say? It's a clock. Oh, oh. Did you what? say it's just a clock? What a relief! Oh, Mrs. Vine, you must be so relieved. Why don't you look more relieved? I'm incredibly relieved.
4: So am I. But for some reason, these two here don't seem to have grasped it yet.
5: But cheer up, Corporal. What's up? I've got a few things rushing through my mind, sir. That's all. Oh, yeah.
4: I understand. The damned war, I suppose. Yeah. Brought it all back. Hmm, I know.
3: Terence, I got hysterical just then. I'm sorry.
5: Come on, Adelaide. You're coming with me back to town. What a fuss about an old clock, eh? cheer up, sir.
4: cheer up.
3: Oh, you won't be needing these pliers now, sir.
5: Oh, be my guest,
4: Chambers, if you think they'll come in handy. Goodbye, Mrs Vine.
3: Help me, Constable.
4: Not likely. Come on.
3: Bye. Bye. Have a safe trip. Bye.
4: Come on.
3: Bye. Bye.
2: Well, I'm glad that's over. Yes. I wonder what she thought was in
1: that box, sir. I don't know. A spider or something, probably. (laughs) Mrs Goynes was behind this happy outcome, of course. That story Chambers had told her about himself and birthmark. When Captain Hoagland mentioned Gazunda and the boy he saved from the fire, she made the connection and hatched her plan, switching the boxes and planting the clock. I felt a bit sorry for Mrs Vine, as she was dragged off to London to certain doom. But on the other hand, she had cut a man's head off just to win an argument, hadn't she? So everything went back to normal again. The next morning... It was as if it had never happened.
5: Slice a gala pie,
0: Sergeant. Oh,
1: lovely. <laughs> and then
5: I'm off to the post office. Oh, yes. Yes, they've got a big delivery of untraceable five-pound notes tomorrow morning at about half past ten. And their locks aren't working. And their security guard is off sick. Oh, <laughs> did
1: you hear that, Mrs G?
0: I did hear that, quite clearly, yes. Thank you, dear. Mm. Oh, oh, look. I've even made a note. Oh. <laughs>
5: <sighs> oh. oh, lovely.
1: This is nice, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yes, sir. I hope you didn't get your head caught in any railings today, sir. Oh, no, no.
5: <laughs>
2: I only poked it through yesterday because some blasted child told me I couldn't, you know. Really?
0: always do the opposite of what people tell you, dear.
2: Of course not. In fact, case in point, he said it again today. No! Yes, he said, bet you won't put your head through those railings again. (laughs) Well, I nearly did, and then I said to him, do I look like an idiot, sonny? (laughs) (laughs) In the return of Inspector Steen by Lynn Truss, Inspector Steen was played by Michael Fenton-Stevens, Mrs. Groins, Samantha Spiro, Sergeant Brunswick, John Ram, Constable Tritton, Matt Green, Captain Hoagland, Robert Bathurst, Adelaide Vine, Janet Ellis, and Terence Chambers' Ewan Bailey. The director was Marilyn Imry. The producer, Karen Rose. The return of Inspector Steen was a Sweet Talk production for BBC Radio 4. And next time...
0: Are we going to be film stars, dear?
2: Well, you aren't, obviously, but in a small way in Canada, perhaps we will be, yes.